0: So I remember in 2011, when Steve Jobs died, it was a big deal, right? It was all of a sudden, it was all over the news. And I also remember everyone went out and bought a copy of his biography. Uh, and, and why, why was it such a big deal? Later on, he was made into, uh, it was, his story was made into movies and stuff. It's because he was so successful as an inventor, as a businessman, designer, engineer. He was so many different things, right? And also, he was a leader and a good communicator. He was so influential. In fact, um, I remember in Times Magazine in 2016, they were listing the different inventions, the gadgets that, were, um, that changed the course of human history. And number one was the iPhone. This, his idea to put a phone into a pocket really changed everything about our everyday life. Um, and so now today, uh, after 10 years uh, since he died, uh, still Apple is... Worth the most among all the companies of the world. It started in 2011. That's the first time that it became the most valuable company in the world. And up to this point, uh, Apple is still number one. They are worth about $2.8 trillion. So Steve Jobs is very successful, and everyone wanted to know his story because they wanted to learn how to be like Steve Jobs. They wanted to know the secret to his success. So we study people who are successful. We study people who we want to learn from. That's why we have biographies. That's why we have documentaries so that we can learn and apply things into our lives. Joshua is arguably the most successful person in the Old Testament, the most faithful person in the Old Testament. I mean, you can name some other names. Abraham, he was the father of faith, but he was also a coward who who, who lied about his wife twice twice. You talk about Moses, and he was a great leader who led the people out of Egypt, but at the same time, Moses, he wasn't able to enter into the promised land because he had anger issues. David, he was a great warrior, but also he was a great adulterer and a great murderer. We also know that Solomon had a lot of wisdom, but in his latter days, he used that wisdom to manage women um, instead of doing the works of the Lord. And so we see all these great men and women in history and the name Joshua definitely stands out because he's the example of steadiness and faithfulness to the Lord. He has been so successful, not only that he's been so influential towards the people of God. His experience is unmatched. A, a lot of times we just look at the book of Joshua, but just remember that his journey started back in Exodus. He started as a slave. His family, his entire family, the nation of Israel was slave to Egypt. And in the midst of their troubles and trials and and tribulation, God sends Moses and Joshua. He witnesses the templates. He witnesses the Passover. The the death angel passing over his house. He he experiences that. He sees the Red Sea being parted. He also experiences the giving of the law. Right, he goes to Mount Sinai and he's under, uh, uh, like, uh, at the bottom of the mountain, and he sees Moses go up and receive the laws. He sees Moses' face shining as he's coming down. Not only that, he ate manna, bread from heaven, for forty years. And after all that, he enters into the Promised Land, and we learned about his story over the past six months. The, the crossing of the Jordan, the walls of Jericho, the all these battles against all the kings uh, in the Canaanites. Literally, God stopping the solar system to be, give victory to the people of Israel. His experience is unmasked. So he's very successful. He has a lot of experience. So this is the person that you want to listen to, especially when he's sharing his wisdom. And so in today's passage, in chapter 23 and 24, we have the final words of Joshua. After all those years of staying faithful to the Lord, after all those years of success, finally Joshua is at the end of his life. Twice it is mentioned in today's passage, the first two verses, that Joshua is old and well advanced in years. If you go back to Joshua chapter 13, we are told that Joshua was old and advanced in years. Now it says he is well advanced in years. Literally, he, he, he's, he's about to die. He knows that he, his time is, 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 is up. He knows that he doesn't have a lot of opportunities to speak to his people anymore. And so what he does, is he gathers all the leaders of, of Israel, all the people of Israel, and he gives one final speech. And you would think this speech would be incredible. The speech will be funny, entertaining, uh, something that you never heard before. But what you see is the stuff that he mentions in this chapter today is profound, but so simple. It is so simple. There's nothing new that Joshua says in Joshua 23. And you might be thinking, well, then why do I have to listen to this message if there's nothing new? But I'm so glad that there's nothing new in Joshua 23, because what Joshua is saying in chapter 23 at the end of his life is this. After all these years, it's not that I discovered something new. It's not that I regret something about my life and I wish you would do something different. He says life is actually very simple. The secret to success is actually very simple. It's God. It, it's as simple as that. At the end of my life, I came to realize that life is not that complicated. I think a lot of times we tend to think that there's a lot of secrets in life where you have to do all these things to make yourself happy, to, to find meaning in life, to live a good life. But what Joshua tells us is this. No, at the end of the day, there's only one single principle that you have to follow, and that, that is God. Whether you are with God or you're not with God, that determines the outcome of your life. And he reminds us of three simple things about God. Three things that you probably heard before. Number one is this. I encourage you to write this down. Number one, God is a personal God. God is a personal God. Look at verse two. It says, I am now old and well advanced in years. Verse three, and you have seen all that the Lord your God has done To all these nations, for your sake, for it is the Lord your God who has fought, who has fought for you. So you probably heard, and there's a reason why I read the entire chapter. I mean, I'm not a big fan of reading, but as you are listening to that chapter, what's the phrase that stands out? The Lord your God. In 16 verses, 13 times it is mentioned, the Lord your God, the Lord your God, and it's so interesting because Joshua could have said, "This is the Lord my God," or "This is the Lord our God." But instead, he says, No, this is the Lord, your God. He's not just God, he's your God. He, he's not just Lord, he's your Lord. He is a personal God. And, and and that that's a big deal because a lot of times, I think you know, people in the Old Testament or New Testament, those great men of faith, or you Think about the preachers or the missionaries who, are, who have lived faithfully to the Lord. You think about their lives, and you have to think, man, they did something different. Maybe they, they grew up in a nice household. Their environment was a little bit different so that they could live a life of faithfulness uh, all throughout. But what the Bible is telling us today is this. There is no secret. The secret is, is God. It's, it's Him. And I can't play ball like LeBron James. You know, I can't program like Steve Jobs. Because I don't have their talent. I don't have the physical talent of LeBron James. I don't have the knowledge of Steve Jobs. But the good thing about the Christian life is this. It's not based on talent. It's not based on experience. It's not based on any natural giftings, but it's based on your relationship with God. Joshua says, my success comes from my relationship with God. And this same God is gonna be with you in the promised land. This same God who led you into the promised land is gonna be faithful to you in the promised land. This book is about God, and it's not just about a God, it's about your God. Every time you open up God's Word, you have to understand that you're not just reading about God, this is a story about the Lord, your God, and my God. It's about our God. God is a personal God. He wants to interact with us in a personal way. He wants to address us in a personal way. He's inviting you to spend time with Him in a personal way. God is a personal God. And that's a crazy thought, right? The God of the universe would want to be, would want to have a personal relationship with us, that he would allow us to say that that he's our God, that you are my God, and you are my Lord. That's a crazy thought. Number two, not only is God our personal God, God is a faithful God. That's what Joshua says. God is a faithful God. Look at verse 4. It says, Behold, I have allotted to you as an inheritance for your tribes those nations that remain along with all the nations that I have already cut off from the Jordan to the great sea in the west. So Joshua says, There's still some people in the land. There's still some business that that needs to be done. But I allotted this land to you. We divided up the the, the land, gave it to different tribes. Why? Because we believe that God is going to be faithful. Although the work is undone, God is going to be faithful and he's going to be the one who, who fights for you and gives you the, this land at the end of the day. So he's alluding to the faithfulness of God. He says, I'm going to go ahead and divide up this land, although there are people in the land still, because I believe in the faithfulness of God. And you read verse 5 and it says this, Lord your God will push them back before you and drive them out of your sight, and you shall possess their land, just as the Lord your God Promise you notice that the Lord your God is going to push them out from your sight, so God is going to work for you, He's going to fight for you. And this idea of God fulfilling all His promises, He's going to do just as He promised. That idea is mentioned again in verse 10 and verse 15. The phrase uh, just as promise that's found in both verses. So, the idea is this God says things and He keeps things, He is the promise maker and He's the promise keeper. God is faithful. Our God is a faithful God. And that is good news to us because that means not only the promises that we see in the Old Testament, but the promises that He makes to us in Christ, it's all gonna be true. When when God says, I'm gonna come, Jesus is gonna come back, make all things new, that's gonna be true. Like when God says, My grace is sufficient for you, that's that's true. Everything that God says, it is true because God, He is faithful. We easily forget our promises. We easily change our promises. God, he is faithful to every word that he speaks. God is faithful to his promises. So God is a personal God. God is faithful. Number three, God, he's a good God. God is a good God. We see, see this, especially in the, in the last uh, portion of, of the speech. Verse 13, it says, The ground of the Lord your God has given to you, Joshua calls it, good ground. In verse 14, it says, not one word has failed of all the good things, not just the things, but the good things that the Lord God has promised you. Verse 15, but just as all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you have been fulfilled for you, so the Lord will bring upon you all the evil things until he has destroyed you from off. This good land that the Lord your God has given you. And again in verse 16, And you shall perish quickly from off the good land if you don't obey God's word. So the idea is this. Whatever God gives, it is good. The land that he gives is good. The things that he gives is good. So God is a good God. He gives good things because he is a good God. It says in verse 3, And you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. I think it is very clear in Scripture that God, first of all, He works for His own glory. He works for His own name. Even the reason why He saved the people out of Egypt, the reason why He gives the law to the people of Israel, the reason why He leads them into the Promised Land is so that they can live a holy life that represents God's glory. The whole goal of, of, of God's work is always His glory. But at the same time, We see that as God is being glorified, he's working for our good. It says in verse 3 that all that the Lord God has done to all these nations, it's not just for his own sake. It is for your sake. Now, why is that a good thing? God says, I did all this for you. I gave you victory. I brought you into this land. Why? So that you can live life as it was meant to be so that you can experience my provision, you can experience my protection, you can experience all the blessings that I meant to give you. God is a good God. He does everything for his glory, but at the same time, he does everything for the good of his people. Do you believe that? Because I think a lot of times, we we are like one of those people who are holding a raffle ticket, right? And you say to the person next to you, I'm not going to win this, I never win anything like this, right? It's like if something good happens in your life, you're constantly reminding yourself, well, something bad has to happen. Life can't be this good, right? Life was never this good. But what the Bible tells us is this, God is good. Psalm 84, says this, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withdraw From those who walk uprightly. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. God, He's not selfish when it comes to good things. He says He he does not withhold things that are good from His people, from those who are walking uprightly. Why? Because God is a good God. It says in Psalm 105: the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. His faithfulness to all generations. If God is a good God and we are walking with Him, if we are doing life with Him, then obviously He's going to give us His goodness. Now, this does not mean that your life is going to be easy, trouble-free. We know that is not the case. What it does mean is in the valley of the shadows of death or in green pastures, God is still going to be good. In the highs and the lows, you are still going to be able to experience God's goodness. On the good days and the bad days, both, you will experience God's goodness. On the good days, you will thank God because he has given you abundantly. On the bad days, you're going to thank God because he is still faithful. He's the one encouraging you. He's the one who's giving you strength to rise up again. God's goodness can be experienced all throughout our day, all throughout our lives. So God is good. We're not just people holding a raffle ticket, just you know, disappointed thinking that nothing good can happen to us. No, if we believe in a good God and we faithfully follow a good God, then God is going to be good to us. God is a good God. So Joshua, at the end of his life, he says three simple things: God, he is a personal God. He's not just my God, He's your God. You can have everything about God. And he says, God is faithful. You saw this, you know. He, makes promises, he keeps his promises, and God, he is so, so good, and in response to this, he says, there are two things that you need to do. Number one, with all your strength, obey his word. With all your strength, obey his word. It says in verse six, therefore, be very strong to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor to the left now this sounds familiar right this is how joshua started in chapter one when god first called joshua joshua was told hey don't depart from this word keep it meditate on it day and night don't turn to the right or to the left and joshua at the end of his life is able to say i did that and and it, it did wonders for my life and he's just sharing the secret of his life That's exactly what I did, and God was so faithful to me. So be very strong to keep and do all that is written in God's word. And notice the word very strong. This means that it's not easy to keep all of God's commandments. It's not just something that comes naturally. It's something that you have to be very intentional about. You have to put in the effort. Joshua, after living all these years, he probably knows that it is really hard to abide in God's word. So he's saying, be very strong to keep it just in case you missed it. And the second thing that he says is this, with all your heart, love the Lord your God. With all your might, obey God's commandments, and with all your heart, now love the Lord your God. It says in verse 11, be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. This could be kind of the summary of this message. This is the heart of what Joshua is trying to communicate to his people. Be very careful to love the Lord your God. Again, you see that it's probably not easy simply to love God. That's why he says, be very careful to love the Lord your God. And I don't know if you remember this, but we started off our year looking at Deuteronomy chapter six, the great commandment where it says, no, we shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your, your soul, your might. And we said that that is the number one priority in our life. And, and it's not just a matter of us loving God and not loving anything else. It's not a matter of us loving God more than other things. It's simply a matter of God determining all other loves in our life. And Kind of give you an example. um, If you love money, everything that you do in your life is going to be about money. Every decision that you make is going to be about money. If you love money with all your heart. If you love people with all your heart, relationships, then everything that you do is gonna be about people. You, you'll make sacrifices when it comes to finances. You'll make sacrifices when it comes to time simply for people. If you love your career with all your heart, you're gonna sacrifice all, every other thing in your life so that you can have a steady, good career. If you love your family, you're gonna make sure that you sacrifice everything else so that you can protect your family. And what God is saying to us through his word today is this. To love the Lord your God is that you don't sacrifice God for anything else. You stay with God. And every decision that you make, God is involved. That you're thinking about him. That you don't make sacrifices. You don't even jeopardize your relationship with God. You don't even try to Hang out with ungodly things. No, you, you protect your heart, you protect your life. It says in, in verse 12: for if you turn back and cling to the remnant of these nations remaining among you and make marriages with them, so that you associated with them and they with you. Know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you, but they shall be a snare and a trap to you, a whip to your side, and thrones in your eyes until you perish from off this good ground that the Lord your God has given you. So there's a clear word of warning here. God says, Well, if you walk away, if you don't love the Lord your God with all your heart, what's going to happen is you're going to love other things. The surrounding nations, they're going to come to you, and you're going to have these relationships. Now, In the book of Joshua, there's there's a big deal. It was made of a big deal of um, uh, marriage, especially marrying foreign women uh, for the the people of Israel. But God is not against interracial marriage. Uh, Hopefully, you know that. God is against interfaith marriage. What He's simply saying is this: I'm not against different people of race coming together It's the problem when people of God who are trying to follow the Lord marry and associate with people who are not willing to follow the Lord that's dangerous what he that's what he's saying that is probably a bad idea he speaks of it in the context of marriage he speaks of it in the context of community we're not it doesn't mean that you don't you don't just you just build a wall and don't talk to non-believers. that's not the case what it's saying is this you need to make sure you protect your heart that every encounter that you have with a non-believer is intentional It's not to be like them. It's to be a witness to them. It's to be a blessing to them. And that doesn't mean you try to be, uh, just immerse yourself into their culture. No, you be set apart. You stand your ground. And you be different. And until the other person is willing to do that, then you guard your life. Because if you don't, that person is going to come into your life and contaminate your relationship with the Lord. And we see this in marriage. We see this in community as well. A lot of times in churches, if we don't have meaningful membership, if we don't protect um, the flock, what's going on is you know, we, if we accept all beliefs, we, if, we simply say in this, if, I, if I simply say from this pulpit, I respect all beliefs and everything is true, then nothing is true, right? There is no, nothing that brings unity among the, God's people. And what ends up happening is that we are no longer different from the world. We're just like the world. So the church obeys God, loves God, and out of that relationship, we respond to the world. So Joshua says, love the Lord your God. Be careful to do that. Obey God's word. And there's a word of promise and the, the word of, 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 of warning at the end. In verse 14, it says this, And now I'm about to go the way of all the earth. You know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All he has come to pass for you, not one of them has failed. So if you remain faithful to the Lord, he's going to be good to you. Verse 15, but just as all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you have been fulfilled for you, so the Lord will bring upon you all the evil things until he has destroyed you from off the good land that the Lord your God has given you. And one scholar says, the faithfulness of Yahweh, God, is a double-edged sword. God is good and he is faithful. And that is good news for those who follow God because that means God is going to be faithful to every single promise that he made and God is going to lead his people into a good direction. It's, it's, it's devastating for people who don't follow God. Because that means God is going to be faithful and judge people. Because He's a good God. He can't just leave evil uh, untouched. That He has to bring just judgment upon evil. That He needs to bring justice upon uh, the wicked people. That's how He's good. If you are good, then you your heart burns against what is evil. And so God being good, God being faithful, it's a double-edged sword. It is good news for his people, it is bad news for those who do not follow him. And so how are we ought to live in light of this passage? One thing that we have to remember, at the end of the day, the land is good, but that's not it. The reason why God led his people into the land is not so that they can just enjoy the land, it's so that they can enjoy the life that God promises. I think this is something that we miss a lot of times. What Joshua is saying is, God is good, he's faithful, he's been so good to you guys so far, but remember this is just the beginning. It's not the end. For us, the promised land on a wide spectrum is, is heaven. It's, it's God's kingdom. One day we will be with God. That's our promised land, right? Until that day, we wait for, for the promise, and we faithfully you know, walk with the Lord. On a smaller scale, though, we have different promises, promised lands in our lives. We have different things that we hope for. And I'm not saying these things are bad, It's not bad to hope for good things, especially if you believe in a good God. For some people, the promised land could be a good college, especially for our youth. That would be uh, a promised land. Uh, For some people, it would be a good job. You say, if I just have this job, my life is going to be so much better. For some people, it's going to be marriage. For some people, it's going to be having kids. For some people, it's going to be sending away your kids. They're going to be like, that's going to be my promised land. I finally get to live my life, right? (laughs) For some people, it's finding a good church. You feel like, if I just find the right community, the right church, my land is set. A lot of times, we put our hope in things that God provides, the promised land, and I'm not saying those are bad things, but remember, a good job, a good family, a good career, a good church is only given so that you can live a good life before the Lord. That is so important. It's one thing to inherit the promised land. It's another thing to follow the Lord in that promised land. Now, Joshua is so unique because He's a, he led a unique generation. They inherit the promised land. His previous generation, the generation of Moses, they did not inherit the promised land because they were afraid to go into the promised land. The next generation we read in, in, in the book of Judges, chapter 2, that they walked not in the ways of the Lord, but in the ways of evil. Immediately when Joshua died and the elders who were with Joshua died, they walked away from the Lord. Knowing all this, experiencing all this, seeing the highs and the lows of the people of Israel, Joshua comes to this conclusion and he's saying this, God is good, he is faithful, he is personal, and because of that, in light of that, we need to make sure we trust him with all our hearts. And we can do that because God is good. We can love him with all our heart. We can obey him with all our might. Why? Because he is good and faithful and he is a personal God. He is gonna lead us to the very end. And the same promise is given to believers in the New Testament. We read about this in John 14, 12. Jesus, he's the greater Joshua. We talked about this before. And he says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Did you hear that? Jesus says, not only are people following me, they're going to do the works that I did, but they're going to do greater works than me. How is that possible? Like, that that verse bothers me. Like, how can you top Jesus? Like, and the secret is in Matthew 28 when Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me, and therefore go, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teach them all to obey all that I've commanded you, and remember, to the end of the age, I am with you. That's the secret. What Joshua says to the people of God is this, the authority is not from me, but it's from above. And because you have that authority, as long as you are walking faithfully with God, you're going to be okay. You're going to do the works of God. In the same way, Jesus says, although I'm going, you're going to do greater things. And that, in a sense, is true. Jesus, he handled 12 people. Like, the churches today handle a lot more, so in a sense, you know, I'm saying. But what the point is, is this. The reason why we're able to continue to do the work of God and live life as it was meant to be, it was because that we believe in the same God, that, that, that Joshua believed that we serve the same Father that Jesus served. And because we have all that authority and power, we don't settle for something that's just normal, but we pursue the life that God gives us. So today, how do you want to respond to this incredible passage? Are you faithfully following the Lord? Remember that the Lord is good, he is faithful, and he's your God. Let's pray.